The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. You're going to share, right? It's not just to go through a checklist, but hey, are you living this? You know, so we've had people come up on different topics. And, and Jesse Brown, I've known Jesse for a long time, back when I had hair. I mean, we're talking back in the day. And so, well, for a short time, because I'm losing it pretty quick. But uh, one thing that I have seen in Jesse's life the last uh, couple of years, uh, specifically, uh, some of us are wired differently. You know, I'm wired for something new. Like, I, I, I'm ready to go. You know, we were entrepreneurs, started businesses. We've done that for 20 years before we did the church. I mean, give me something new, boo, I'm in. Bam, jump off the cliff, let's go do it. Some people are wired that way. Other people are wired for stability, longevity. They like to stay the course. And Jesse is a stay the course person. Um, spent 15 years at one paint company, staying the course, becoming a manager, running the ship. And uh, when God called him to plant a church, that's a big deal to make a move of your whole family, shift everything. Jesse had a paint business of his own in Bend where we were at. was running that, had a nice home. He had nice, uh, you know, set up with as far as the, the mortgage and the payments and things. He's in a pretty good situation that you can live out your life in a nice town. And God called him to come and help plant a church, and he came. And it has been constant chaos and change and challenges since we've arrived. Um, and that started to stabilize, but really, you parachute into a place and start your life over. There's a lot of challenges in that. And what I've seen in Jesse's life as he's done this is that he's been able to continue to keep his eyes on Jesus and to pursue the call and the course that God has on his life, even when things become uncomfortable and difficult, to stay the course, continue to serve, continue to love, continue to trust God. And I believe that there's something that we can all learn from that because life is turbulent. And so to be able to keep our faith strong and to move forward and to trust God and love God and serve and care for others in the midst of that is something that really we all need to be able to grow and to do because that's the life of faith, to be able to do that. And so for me to say that and to do it is one thing because I'm wired that way. For Jesse to do that is to say, you know, man, I'm really putting my hands in my life in God's hands. And I'm just going to follow. And that's been very encouraging, inspiring. So I'm going to have Jesse come up and share. So just get notes out. If whatever your goals are this next year, whatever you think God's calling you to this next year, one thing's for sure, God's going to love you. A second thing that's for sure is it's probably going to be rockier than you think. And you're going to need faith and trust in God. So let's get into this and, and hear what he has to share. Amen. Good morning. All right. Hey, real quick, too, we're going to pray because... Um, there's a lot of sickness, you know, the flu right now. My wife's at urgent care with Johnny, and he just uh, sounds like he has pneumonia. So we want to pray for sickness in the homes, flu, and, and it's not just our home. I mean, it's kind of around, and so we have a few kids home sick, and I know other people do. Um, my youngest son's biggest bummer is he's wasting Christmas break, he told me. <laughs> he feels like he's getting gypped. So I said, well, that's good that you feel that way. But um, let's just pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just pray for, as we prayed for Pat, we pray for wholeness, Father God, over our families, Lord. Lord, we know that uh, until you come back, Lord, sometimes there's brokenness here and there's sickness and there's things that um, come upon us. But, Lord, we believe that you're the God of miracles. 
Father God, we pray for quick healing of everyone that's dealing, all the kids right now that are dealing with, whether it be strep or the flu or sickness, Father God. And Lord, we just don't want it to knock us out, Father God, and, and take us out of the race. So Lord, we just pray for complete wholeness over the homes that are dealing with that, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like Andy said, now the good thing with Andy is, uh, you know, when you're introducing someone, you always say the good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's seen me sometimes in the bad and when I've been down and when I've been low and, uh, you know, when I've been telling him, uh, what did you get me into here? You know, you conned me. Uh, no, I didn't quite say that, but sometimes you think it. <laughs> you know, what happened here? And um, we have a tendency to do that when things don't go our way. We don't just take it on and say, oh, this is God doing this. You know, there, I can see God working here. It's I blame you. I blame you. No, it's not my fault, really. Uh, Sheila, you kind of messed up here. And, you know, that's kind of what we have a tendency to do. And so uh, as we're going into 2020, we're just going to kind of recap 2019. And, and the title of it is What a Ride. How many of you, 2019 was a ride? And there's different types of rides. It, it was a ride for all of you. Sometimes it's the teacup ride. And sometimes it's the crazy ride. You know what I mean? And so uh, I don't know about you. I haven't been to a fair yet in Texas, but I used to love the fair. You know, in Vancouver, we'd go to the Clark County Fair. Now, this is when it was kind of affordable. As you get older and you bring all your kids, you're dropping 500 bucks at the fair, and it doesn't become as much fun. But when I was young, my favorite part was I love the rides at the fair. The food, the deep fried nasty stuff was delicious. I love a fair corn dog. You can't beat it anywhere. And I love the rides. How many of you have heard of the zipper? The zipper? Okay. Well, when I was a kid at the fair we went to, you know, sometimes you go to those ones in, like, the Target parking lot, which isn't always smart because you see parts still on the ground when you're getting on a ride. You're like, what are all those for? But I remember the zipper was there, and it was the biggest ride they had. So me and my brother asked my mom, please, can we go on it? And, you know, we didn't have a lot, but she's like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get you on it. And I remember getting on there. And at that point, I wasn't as big as I am now. I was eight, okay? And when they dropped the bar, I still had about a foot of distance between me and the bar. And so... I didn't know what was about to come. So the ride starts, okay, and the zipper is like this big belt that kind of goes around. But then the carts are free, you know, they go back and forth. So as it goes faster, you're going back and forth. And you can even, like, rock it if you want. Um, but I remember as it started to go, it was kind of okay. This is kind of fun. I can see down. I'm like 40 feet up. And then it started to speed up. And then it's starting to spin. And I'm kind of going back and forth. And I don't know about you, but I got really scared. When you are praying covenantal prayers on a fair ride when you're eight years old, you know that the ride is scary. I remember being like, this is literally what I was doing. I was like, Jesus, 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 Lord, get me out of this. If, I get, if you get me out of this, I'll serve you all the days of my life. Like, that was my prayer I was praying, okay? I wasn't thinking about if it broke or not. I just remember being so fearful of it. And um, the next year, you know what? I went on it again. It was still scary, but it wasn't as bad. And then now I remember when I got to take Johnny and Jer on it. And as I'm sitting there one time with Johnny, we were on it. He was, like, doing the same thing as I was. Now, I'm comfortable now because I'm holding I'm kind of laughing because at first he's crying, and I kind of think it's funny, you know, as a dad. <laughs> and you're like, but, but you know that it's going to be okay. I knew at this point I was going to be okay. But I, I said, hey, just hold my hand. We'll pray. We'll get you through this. Because it, it, it reminded me back of kind of how I felt. But the funny thing is, is what was uncomfortable before, what was fearful before, I had become comfortable in. And, you know, that's life. There's things that come before us that, you know, when we first do them, like John, when you did the stand-up comedy, 
okay, I saw it on Facebook, you were fearful probably. You were maybe uncomfortable. This is, ah, you know, and the next time, you still may feel that, and sometimes we do that. I remember first preaching the first few times. I was so fearful. I mean, sweat. I would go off my notes. I was messing up. And the more we do it, sometimes there's something about this comfortable. The uncomfortable starts to become comfortable. And so um, that's what we want to talk about today. How can we learn to be comfortable on this wonderful ride we call life? Because that's what it is. Like I said, whether it's a good ride, whether it's a scary ride, we are all on this ride. And it kind of depends on how we handle it. But we have a tendency to accept what we expect, right? Andy was kind of over at my house speaking, and he said, I said, you know, that's really good. I, I, I'd heard that before, but let me put it this way. We have a little uh, two-year-old. His name's Carter, okay? He has diapers. He poops his pants, okay? But you know what? When you have a two-year-old, you expect to change a diaper, okay, a poopy diaper. You accept it. Okay, now my son Johnny's 14. If he comes down and says, Dad, I poop my underwear, okay, I am not going to accept that. I'm going to say, no, go do something about that. Don't you ever do that again. Now, that's a great analogy, okay? But it's true. We expect what we, we accept what we accept. You know what I mean? Expect. And so, and that's sometimes what we have to do. Like when Andy kind of gave a testimony about us moving here to Texas. Now, I like to think of myself as not someone who just likes to stay the course because, you know, I would love to travel. If someone said, hey, you can go out for a few weeks and go travel anywhere in the world, I would love that. If someone said, let's just do this fun thing for the night, uh, you know, I don't need a lot of planning. I can do it. But he's right. There's a base level to me, obviously, because of how, I, you know, looking back now, it's true. I like stability. You know, when I first started my own business in Bend, I was so nervous. But the problem is I didn't have any other choice at that point. It wasn't, there was nothing paying there enough. And so I kind of was forced into it. It didn't come by nature. And, you know, sometimes there's comfort in stability, right? That's true. And so we moved away from all we knew, our family. That part was probably the hardest for Sheila. At least when we were in Bend, even if we went through tight times, family's three hours away. Mom's away, and mom has a checkbook, okay? She can pay for a little grocery. She can do this and that. There was comfort there. We could go see them for family, you know? When you're going through sufferings financially, health-wise, and spiritually, you know, I didn't expect that here. I expected, no, God, you're calling us there. You hear the, it's God's will, God's bill, which is kind of true. But at the same time, you know, before we came, it seemed like all the doors were open. You know, it, it, we, we sold our house quickly. Things were just opening that door once we finally prayed about it and said yes. So when I got here, I expected different. I did. I expected a lot different. I expected, I don't even know. I just expected maybe the church to flourish, me to get a job as soon as I hit the ground, and the family's fine, and, you know, hey, we'll get to see the family twice a year. We'll just fly back. You know, it'll be okay. God's in this, you know. Well, here's the problem. Sometimes we feel like if it's hard, if it's uncomfortable, God's not in it. And that is not true at all. And so uh, the thing that it says, my faith, uh, my faith was partially in my comforts. And that's one thing I've been learning the last year and a half is the comforts that God gave me, one, stability of being close to family, which isn't a bad thing, but it is a comfort. You know, uh, always having enough money, maybe to, I had a, such a low mortgage because Sheila's parents had bought us a, a kind of a manufactured home. You know, God had opened doors there. Um, the problem was, is my faith was in my comforts, not God's comfort. 
And we're going to learn about that today, what is his comfort, which is kind of peace, joy, and contentment. So let me read you this verse. This is Philippians 4, 10 through 13. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am need. And here's the important part. Here's what Paul's saying. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. How many of you know what it is to be in need? This isn't just financially all the time. Sometimes this is spiritually. Sometimes you need friends. Sometimes we're lonely, isolated. He says, but I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So plenty is not bad. Plenty is not bad. It can become bad, though. He says, I have learned the secret of being content, which is God's comfort, in any and every situation, whether well-fed I've been well-fed. Christmas, I was well-fed or hungry. It says, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I'll admit, sometimes this verse is overused and misused, okay? I want to be an NBA player. But if I say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, just because I say that, that's not going to make it so. What this really was meaning is Paul was saying, I can do this. And what was this? I can be in a little, I can be discomforted, I can be in the will of God, and things are a mess, but I can do it because of Christ in me. So, amen, that's true, and that's really what that verse means, I can do all this. And part of the journey that you guys have been on this year, that's what this is. And so, we need to learn, though, why God allows us to go through the uncomfortable. Is there a reason? How many of you question God when you're going through a mess? It's true. You're always like, I don't know if I should raise my hand. I do. I do all the time. I do all the time. And I'm a why person. I need to know why. Okay, I'm going to study the word. I'm going to ask Andy. I'm going to ask other friends. I'm going to say, I'm going to look at myself. Usually I'm like, okay, Jesse, is there sin in your life? And yes, there is all the time. So I'm like, well, it's this. Or Sheila, are you doing it this way or it's because of the kids or what's going on? And, and, and so I need to know a reason of why. And we have a tendency to do that. We always want to know why. The good news is there is a why. And I'm going to give you a few verses here. It says, the first verse is Psalm 66, 10 through 12. For you, God, he's talking to God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. That's a tough one. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But, but, you brought us to a place of abundance. Now, are there times that we get into our own messes? Yes. But there are many times that God allows us to go through fire and water and things like that. And, then, and so that's just one proving, first of all, that God allows it sometimes. Is it always God? No. But a lot of times he allows it. Real quick, just for refinement, I have this quote from John Piper. He's speaking on it, kind of like, well, what does that mean? He says, God is a refiner's fire, and that makes all the difference. A refiner's fire does not destroy indiscriminately like a forest fire. A refiner's fire does not consume completely like the fire of an incinerator. He says, no, a refiner's fire refines. It purifies. It melts down the bar of silver or gold, separates out the impurities that ruin its value. So that's saying we have value. He's going to put us through the fire because there's things in us that need to get out. Okay? And not just out because they're bad, but sometimes it needs to get out. To help other people. So he's going to do that. He's going to refine us. And it says, 
it burns them up and leaves the silver and gold intact. God is like a refiner's fire. And so there's a difference. It's, if it's just a wildfire coming from your life, that's not what God's doing. He's a refiner's. He's going he's gonna to pinpoint you in a direction. But then the why. In James 1, 2 through 4, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I don't do that all the time. But why? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's one of the reasons God allows us to be fried, allows us to go through a fire. He wants to teach us perseverance. I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I'm going through a, what I feel like is a heavy fire, I have a tendency to turn from God. Because I'm not necessarily at the moment looking for him to say, oh, God, you're allowing this. Oh, man, awesome. He's going to, I'm going to learn something through this. You're going to do something through this. You're trying to get something out. I am trying to find somebody to pull me out of the heat. And we have a tendency to do that. Our hearts are attached to God, but they're always finding a way, our flesh part, of, you know, trying to get out of the tough stuff. And so he's doing this for a reason. He wants to teach me perseverance. You know, if we're going to lead other people, if we're going to help other people, if we're going to serve other people, if we're going to help be a foundation and building blocks for people in their lives, how can we do that if we don't know how to persevere? You know, how can you be a good parent if you don't learn to persevere, you know? There's many things in our life where God is teaching that. And kind of another reason, Romans 5, 3 through 5, says not only so, but we also glory or, you know, what that means is rejoice in our sufferings. Man, Paul says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And he says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So we are persevering for a reason. It's going to build character. And in that character, there's going to be hope. And the good thing with that hope is people are going to see that hope, you know, and they want to grasp onto it. And so, time we got here. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go over a couple ways, that we, biblical ways that we can rejoice and make it through our discomfort. How many of you just turn right to the Bible when you're going through discomfort? Good for you. I do sometimes. Sometimes it's not the first thing. It's kind of sometimes like, oh, yeah, maybe let's see what God has to say about this. So what I want to talk about, though, is two biblical ways to rejoice, to make it through the fire and our discomfort. Because sometimes, you guys, our discomfort really is that. I know a lot of your stories here, not just the ones that moved here, but the ones who are already here. You know, Lori Hicks, just her continued health is a fire. It's uncomfortable. It's not a comfortable thing. You know, we have family issues. There's divorce. There's families that break apart. There's, uh, you know, relationships that are ripped apart. And you guys, that is uncomfortable. That is a fire. Now, you could say, well, did God cause that? No, he did not cause it. But he doesn't just pull us out of harm's way right away either, you know, because something will come out of us when we're in that fire. And so the first biblical way is abide. We need to abide. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this word in a second, which really means we must remain in him. John 15, 5 through 7 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I'm going to read that again. This is important, you guys. If you remain in me. If, 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 if. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You guys, Scripture, God has lots of promises. But we have to remember, many of the promises have an if or but. There's something attached. There's something we do on our part. And we're going to talk about that. So he's saying, if you remain in me and I in you, like I said, when I hit trouble, I don't just always, I can tell that my heart's not fully with God at that moment because I'm not just turning to him and saying, God, you know, comfort me or what can I do or show me the light. I'm usually like, I need to do something to get out of this. You know, God doesn't care anyway, so I can continue to, you know, this style of sin in my life. You know, I've done that a hundred times. And so he's still teaching me this today. And so I want to give you this quick kind of, uh, this is from Bill Scheidler. He's talking about abiding and what it means. And when we hear that verse of he will give you what you want when you pray for it, because we misinterpret this a lot. We can ask for something. You're like, well, God, you didn't bring it to us. So he says, there have been times when I wonder, wondered about verses like John 15, 7, which says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Really? So we can ask whatever we want, and it shall be done. I've tried that, and it doesn't happen all the time. We can read these words, and it sounds a bit like a blank check, or is it? One of the things that people like to do is to take a little phrases or promises from the Bible and focus on them. One of the disciplines, he says, that I have learned is when you see a promise in the Word of God, find out if there is a condition attached to the promise. Most promises of God have a condition. He says, are there any ifs in the passage? In this case, there is an if. If you abide in me. One translation says, stay joined to me and let my teachings become part of you. Then you can pray for whatever you want and your prayer will be answered. Another one says, if you are in me at all times and my words are in you, then anything for which you make a request will be done for you. So here is what I believe these verses are saying, and I believe this too. If we make our constant dwelling place... Our relationship with the Lord, it says his desires become our desires. If we live and breathe the word of God, our hearts will be so in tune with the will and purpose of God that the things that we truly desire will be consistent with that will and purpose. So the more we abide in him, the more God's desires are transplanted into our hearts. And God actually gives us the desires of our hearts because they're his desires. So it says... um, the more we abide in him, the more God's desires are transplanted in our heart. It says, in that frame of mind, you can ask whatever you want, because whatever you want will not be related to selfish things. Get me out of this because it doesn't feel good, you know. Get me out of this because those persons bugging me, or I need this because of this. It says, they won't be related to selfish or material goods unless they are consistent with God's overall plan and purpose. In which case... God delights in answering our prayer and in giving us the desires of our hearts. And that's one thing here, you guys, God has really been teaching me about abiding in him. Because when I was first going through the trial, which Sheila's health, since we moved here, has been a trial. My kid's health has been a trial. There's just been multiple appointments. Uh, You know, when somebody is in pain all the time, 
you know, their attitude's not always good. They don't always feel good, you know. And so, and that's just a natural thing. How many of you have been hurt really bad? And usually my response is, get away. I don't want to talk to you. Who remembers being by their wife's side when they were pregnant and labor started? Okay. Remember how they told you how to comfort her? Well, at that point, my wife said, shut up. Like, here, you know, she's like, you're chewing your ice too loud, or you're doing this too loud. It was kind of like, she was in so much pain and discomfort, it was a natural, you know, push away. And so, uh, people who are going through that, you know, pain like that, you guys, we're always looking for a way out. And so, God is really teaching us one way to get through it is if we abide in him, you know, He's going to provide us comfort. And we're going to learn, though. We have to learn what comfort is. Remember, it says earthly comfort is not the goal. Earthly comfort is not the goal. It's not like, just get me out of this trouble. Uh, Give me nice things. um, Make me feel good. I want to sit on a beach. Are those things bad? No. But our goal isn't to get out of this just for earthly comfort. We want God's comfort. And it won't come fully unless we're abiding in him. And so that's number one. The second one. This is going to be a tough one. Giving and serving. Giving and serving is one way to release God's comfort in your life. And I put in parentheses, it's not about you. Now, partly it is because he's trying to refine us. But if you know God, God is a giver. Okay? He gives, he gives, he gives, he gives. He expects the same from us. There's something that's like a reverse psychology thing. We think typically when we're going through financial stress, we hoard. Okay, when my wife comes to me when the, ba- the bills are tight and says this family may need help or we want to bless them and this, my natural response is, oh, God, good, that's an open door. Thank you for finding that, honey. I'm like, I need to provide for me and my own. We need to protect. That's my natural response. Sometimes my wife can be the same. We're both generous, sometimes at different times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and this isn't just financially. This is, you know, uh, just the other day I'll give you a divine appointment. I've been praying here, you know, I feel like the last few months I've been a little lazy in reaching out to people purposefully who don't know Jesus. And I could make all the excuses that we've been busy, we've been doing this or that, but you know what, I haven't made it a priority. And so Friday morning I was getting ready to go do a, a little side job, and it's about 7.30 in the morning. I have my garage door open getting some stuff out, and this car is just kind of flying down the street like a little SUV, and it, it just stops right in front of my driveway. And it's a guy with big scruffy hair, a goatee, and this and that. This is kind of like your story, Kyle, in California, okay? But I didn't run, no. (laughs) Um, And he just says, hey, man. I'm like, hey. And he's like, is there any purpose to this life? And I'm like, I'm kind of looking around like, okay, is this guy, like, you know, going to do something? Like, that's not normal. I'm like, yeah, like, hi, you know, like, okay. I just wasn't prepared for it. And he's like, no, I, I mean it. Like, you know, how do you get through life day to day? And I, I'm kind of still thinking, is he joking with me? Or like, is this guy being serious? And, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I do feel that is. I feel there's a purpose. And he's like, well, how do you do it? I'm like, well, you know, there's a little hard work involved there. You got to have a little confidence. But I says, man, I couldn't do it without my foundation, Jesus. And then he still kind of keeps talking to me from my truck. I said, oh, I think this is serious. Like, I have to get to work. I'm supposed to be there at a certain time. It's a little weird. But I felt right away God said, don't miss this moment. And so I walked up to his car. We start talking. He's actually crying in his car. He says, I live down just at the corner street house. I said, oh, okay. I, you know, I've seen that house, but I don't know who you are. I know nothing about his story, but something is bugging this guy. And, I'll, uh, and even my heart, I felt like he was 
maybe suicidal or he's going through a deep depression. And, and uh, so I said, hey, can I pray with you? You know, after we talked for like five minutes and gave him a little bit of my testimony. And I said, man, if you do not turn to God, okay, he loves you. But you, you're, you're going to have a good day maybe after this, a good week, but you're going to go right back down. You need Jesus. You need Jesus, and he's going to be that foundation. And so he let me pray with him. He didn't give his life to the Lord, but I got his number. And the funny thing is, is a few of our neighbors that live down by them, they swear that this house is either a, a prostitution house or sex trafficking. I don't know if that's just neighborhood gossip, but they just say it's a weird house. There's people in all hours of the night, and he's living there, and something, he's, is, he's not at peace. And so... How does that go to giving and serving? Well, my natural response is just be like, dude, this is weird. Get out of here. I'm, like, getting ready for work. It's early in the morning. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to talk to you about Jesus right now. You know, it, it, was, it was uncomfortable. But it's funny because even when we're not going after people, God's going to be like, you know what? I'm bringing them to you. And so that's one way, guys. Yes, was it uncomfortable? But it got me out. Afterwards, I felt just a comfort in me from God. And saying, I'm glad you didn't pass that up. And so I've been praying for him. I texted him last night. He didn't respond. But I'm going to keep chasing it. And so uh, 2 Corinthians says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. If you need comfort, he has it all. He says, who comforts us in all of our troubles. So that we, this is the important part. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So that's a big one. He just said he will comfort us, but it's for a purpose, so that we can comfort those in any trouble. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, oh man, we share those, you guys. We're all going to go through sufferings. You know? So also, our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffering. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. You know, it didn't help me just seeing my friends go through discomfort. You know, and my natural response wasn't necessarily to help Donnie or help Annie or help them through this time. I kind of went to my own bubble to protect my family, like I said that before. But there's something where God's saying is if I'm going to give you comfort, you comfort others. There's something about that that produces an empathy in us. You know, we have a tendency, or at least I do, to judge people's situation when they're going through discomfort. Did they bring it on themselves? Was it because of bad decisions? Was it because of this? Are they seeking God? And that's not what God's heart is for me. He may be doing something in them that he's working out, but my job is he brings me comfort is to bring them comfort. Sometimes that's an encouraging word. Brandon, just being around you is very encouraging. You have a gift in you. That gift is not for you. He gave it to you, but it really is for others. You know, and that's just an example. But sometimes when we go through troubles and our hearts are not attached to God, we do not have empathy. We don't, because then we look at all the faults and the reasons that someone is in their position. And so uh, I wanted to bring that into a little bit of how did God open this door for us to give and serve in our discomfort? Because like I said, even though we'd, I'd kind of gotten a stable job starting February, financially things were kind of turning, uh, but Sheila's health was still the thing. You know, my natural response is like, okay, when God is done with this fire, it's going to feel okay. Things will go back to normal. I will have my 
earthly comforts also, which aren't always, you know, earthly comforts aren't sinful, but I, that's what I was putting my hope on. So what does God decide to do in that? His comfort was more in comfort. My wife came to me and said, hey, I've been watching videos on foster care. And before we had talked about it, we knew that, you know, after Jeremiah, just because of Sheila's tough pregnancies, we weren't going to have any more kids. And we, we didn't necessarily have a desire to continue to have kids. Actually, our life had gotten pretty easy with the age of our kids. We could leave for a two-night, you know, a, a little excursion, and Sammy could stay home with Johnny and Jer and, you know, uh, coming to church because you're serving a lot. Your time's already taken up. There's other things we were doing. Um, I was like, but God... Like, this isn't the right time. Like, why would you be doing this? Like, ugh. So something that was physically and earthly uncomfortable, we have found God's contentment and comfort in. And so there's a reason for that. There's something about the giving and serving of yourself, releasing that when you are in a tough time where God releases his comfort to you. And so, um, and you say, well, why is that? Because it's his heart. People are his heart. I have a few verses on it. It says, James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. I would say we all have a tendency to try and keep ourselves from polluted by the world. We're all kind of trying that, some, some better than others, you know. But today we think, well, are there orphans anymore? I mean, not really like the old days, but there are. You know, the foster system is full of orphans. They don't have a father. They don't have a mother figure. They're pulled. They're in distress, okay? And so God puts something on our heart that says, in the middle of your discomfort, I'm going to comfort you by you comforting others. And so another one is Psalm 10 through 14. It says, but you, God, you see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider the grief, and you take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you, and you are the helper of the fatherless. There are so many verses where God's the helper of the fatherless. He wants to bring them into homes. He's the, the God of the widow. You know, basically it's people who don't really have a means anymore of, of taking care of themselves. And so imagine being in that position and going through the discomforts that you go through. You know, at least I have a wife, okay? My father's dead now, but I'm a grown man. I have many friends around me. Now imagine being in the case of an orphan and a widow where they don't have the family necessarily there to protect them, you know. Uh, and basically, they're in the stress. And, and the Bible says that God is their protector. God takes care of them. And, he said, and so it really comes down to giving with a purpose. God gives us comfort, but we do something with it. This Deuteronomy 14.28, it talks a little bit about financial and giving, but he's, he's talking about why he does this. It says, at the end of every three years... Bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, who is that today? That may be pastors, people who are ministering, missionaries. Okay, they've kind of given up certain work to do the Lord's work full time, a lot of them. And, and, and so they're kind of like the Levites of today. And it says in the foreigners, and he says the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come out and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So are we just given to put into the temple and, and save and do a fort? No. God says to give, but then I want you to do something with that. I'm going to take care of those people around you, and that's how you're going to do it. And so one of the best ways to get out of your discomfort 
is to get uncomfortable again, to go out and serve people. You know, Lori, you see here, here most every week, serving. She hasn't decided. Sheila hasn't decided. Other of you who've had health issues, you know, their tendency is just to go home, lock yourself in a room. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to bother. We've prayed. Nothing's happening. How do I get out of this? Or when we're going through a depression or we're going through deep bouts of anxiety and say, you know, I've told people before. They're probably getting sick of it. They don't want to hear it. You know, our, we, we tend to isolate. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to do the opposite. He wants us to go out and we do something with that and to give to others. And so there's something about uh, when we take our eyes off ourselves and on, put them onto other people, something happens in us. Now, you see this w- even with unbelievers. You know, God's promises, you know, yes, they're for believers, they're for that, but they are true around the world, okay? Many of the things that people do are biblical principles, and they still work. You know, if you go to a doctor today who's not a Christian at all, and you say, I'm depressed, I'm this, what can I do? Okay, is there time for meds sometimes? Yeah. But a lot of it is like, okay, get out. Uh, you don't want to be around people, but get around people. Get, you know, uh, don't isolate. There's something innately in us when we do that that God's created that causes, it, it causes the problem to get worse. And so it's so funny, though. God's ways are opposite of our ways. You know, what we would think makes us feel better really doesn't. It, it just, you know, intensifies the problem. And so I kind of want to close with this. Are you guys getting this today? I know. So, one, God wants you to learn to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. Because life is uncomfortable. And I want to encourage you to, because you may be hearing me preach, and, you know, in America sometimes we have this prosperity gospel, which, here's the prosperity gospel, the wrongness of it. Is financially being uh, prosperous wrong? No. But sometimes what is taught is, when that's not happening... When you're in distress, when maybe the rug's been pulled out from under you, then you're not in the will of God, or your faith isn't strong, or that's not Jesus' best plan for you. But the Bible, New Testament, is pretty opposite clear of that. Paul says, I've had plenty, and, and I may have it again. And I've had low, and I may have it again. And what he's saying is, what the real gospel is, is in all of this, I can do, you know, Whoever strengthens me. Because I've met some great believers who are financially prosperous. And then I've met some strong believers who are always going through a hard time. And that's okay. You know, our hearts need to stay attached to him. So I just want to encourage you that if you're like, well, shoot, I'm doing fine. And I feel like I'm pretty in comfort that, you know, is that a bad thing? No, it's not. But God's going to teach you that you know how life is. You never know when that rug will be pulled out. and, And are we attached to God? And so... I just want to close with this. Psalm 68, 5 through 6 says, He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows, is God in his holy dwelling. So, I mean, it's getting down. David's getting down the nitty-gritty. It's like, who is he? A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. Okay, there, that means he doesn't just open the bar and say, okay, go, quiet. No, they come out with singing. Something has changed dramatically. They're not going to go back. And this is what I want to close with this part. But, this part has a but, or like an if. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Do not be resi- rebellious and resistant to God during your discomfort. And I say this out of, I've done that. My tendency, like I said, is sometimes it turned, 
I say, if this is God, that's not God. I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to continue to go in my own way. I'm not going to bless. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to listen to what his word says, but I'm going to rebel. I don't know about you, but those of you maybe who have children or teenagers, okay, it doesn't change. We're, we're still rebellious as adults, okay? <laughs> Sometimes it still sticks with us. But, you know, there's a tendency where if you're telling your child something and they have a rebellious spirit, it doesn't even matter how bad the incident was. It could have been minor. But if you notice, when they have like that, that spirit of rebellion and they're fighting against it, you lock down. You're like, okay, it's on, you know, because there's something in your heart you want to dig out. And, and, but, man, when there's a spirit of humbly just finally accepting it, how your hand just seems to release, you know, and you, you want to bring comfort. God is the same way because he's doing something in us. So don't be rebellious and resistant to God during your discomfort. Just as we will find God's comfort and contentment if we are obedient to his word. Okay, we're learning that about abiding. And his word says to continue to give and serve and be generous in your discomfort. But we'll also find more discomfort if we fight it. And I said, get out of the fire. If you want to get out of the fire, let God take over. Okay? That doesn't mean sometimes he says, okay, get up, do this. There's strategy parts. There's parts that he does give us. But some of it's just turning it over to God. Why? So we can't take the credit for it. Amen? And so with that, I'm going to bring Andy up. But I want to encourage you guys that uh, it's been a ride. And I believe 2020 is going to be a great year, even if there's discomfort in it. You know why? Because I'm, I'm learning. I have learned, and I am still learning to know what God's comfort is and how to be content in that and to see hey i've been refined a little in this area i think next time it's not going to take as long you know what i mean and how can i help someone else be refined so with that i'll bring uh andy up amen it's a good word jesse There's a story um, going off of that. We're going to pray and close up. But there's a story going off of that in the Bible about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you're a VeggieTale watcher, what is it? A bit, what's that last guy's name? Rack, Shack, and Benny. Is uh, They go to the fiery furnace. Jesse's talking about the fire. As they refuse to bow down to a God other than the true God. And so they are taken to the fiery furnace. And the story, when you read it in the Bible, is that they're bound the furnace is heated up hotter than it's supposed to be, and they're taken up. And it's so hot that as they're leading them to the fire, you talk about a trial. This one is so hot that as they move towards the fire, their captors, the ones leading them into the fire, actually die trying to throw them in. That's how hot it is. Their enemies are dying throwing them in. But what's interesting in that story is that they land in the fire, and they look in. They don't see the three men. They see four because God's with them. And the other thing that happens is that the actual ropes that they were bound with are burned off, and they're walking around free. And so there's a principle there. There's a principle that sometimes when things are the hottest, that God is not destroying you, but he's actually destroying your enemies and setting you free. And you got to be willing to be in it and trust God, because what he's doing is for your good, and it's for your benefit. Amen? And so let's pray, and we're just going to pray for faith as we move into this new year that we're not going to run from our problems. We're not going to run from difficulty. We are going to go to a new level of trust and faith.
that God is working for us and that God is with us no matter what the circumstance might look like and that God is doing something good. Amen? That was a great word. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your uh, goodness to us, God, in every situation, in every circumstance, Lord. And we just commit our hearts and our minds to you, Lord, not to look for comfort <coughs> in other things, but, God, to put our comfort in you, as Jesse said. God, to learn to do that. God, to walk in it, Lord, and allow you to come into our situation, to set us free, and, and to serve, and to love, and to pour that comfort into others that are around us. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Lord, help us by your spirit to live it out. God, in your word, it says that it is you who works in us both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. So, God, we're dependent upon your spirit to cause us to want to do it your way and then to be able to do it your way. And so, Lord, we thank you for not only giving us direction, giving us a path, Lord, giving us clarity today in the word that Jesse brought, but, Lord, for giving us your Holy Spirit to allow us to actually live it out and be a blessing to those around us. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. We love you guys. Man, I love pastoring you guys. You guys are a great church. Stick around. Have some food. Hang out. Get to know somebody. Love on somebody. Don't just run out because the Bible says that they'll know we're his disciples because what? We sit through a great message? No, that we love one another. And that comes through relationship and connection. Amen. Thanks for being here. The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free.